Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Two leaders in the Cache County Republican Party have resigned from the party over the presumptive Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump. In a letter to members of the Cache County Republican Party Executive Committee, Andy Rasmussen and Jonathan Choate say, in part, the decision by the Executive Committee to take no public action disavowing our presidential nominee has left us in a difficult position. Donald Trump is directly antithetical to nearly every traditional Republican uh, value. His unapologetic racism, xenophobia, misogyny disqualify him from consideration as a precinct chair, let alone the presidency. They go on to say, we also fully appreciate the awful specter of Hillary Clinton in the White House, yet this is not merely a binary choice between the two. This republic is threatened by either nominee winning the presidency, but if Trump becomes the face of the GOP, we're truly lost. Where will legitimate, principled, conservative opposition come from then? So we welcome in to the program, Jonathan Choate. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to be here. Jonathan Choate, uh, a principal at SD7 Technologies and uh, um, active in technology, active in politics. Yeah, active in probably a few yeah, too many things few too at many this things. point. Yeah. Uh, singing, you can find him uh, in the chorus at American Festival Chorus. Uh, we bring in also Andy Rasmussen, uh, who uh, uh, joins us as well. Andy Rasmussen, thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, we'd love to hear your perspective. We're opening the phone lines right now at one eight hundred eight two six one four nine five. Maybe this specifically, maybe something in general on this extraordinary election season. One eight hundred eight two six one four nine five. Uh, email is upraxis at gmail.com. We have a couple of emails already. You could add to that. We'd love to hear your perspective. Upraxis at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at upraxis. Uh, uh, so let me start with you, Jonathan Choate. Um, you, I guess, fairly recently became a an official in the Cash Republican Party. What was that position? The position I had was the District 5 co-chair. Uh, and I took that position, well, I was elected to the position, although unopposed. It really just means that nobody else was smart enough or nobody else was dumb enough to say yes when they were asked if you'll do this. Right. That's generally what it means. But yeah, so about three years ago is when I assumed that position. It's by vote of acclamation, which yes. I like to think of as shouts of acclamation. Yes, that's right. right? <laughs> that's right. And Rapsman, you held a, a similar position? Similar position, yes, for District 4, which is uh, Logan right here okay. uh, at Red's District. Yeah. Right. Uh, so active in politics, uh, Republican Party, and, and I assume share many of the values or agree with many of the values of the Republican Party. Uh, so, Jonathan uh, Choate, bullet points, what what are those values? Uh, so, you know, in my opinion, and this is where, again, we get into opinion on what they actually are, uh, it means limited government. It means, um, you know, erring on the side of states' rights and then from there down to local governments and from there down to individuals. That That's the, the fundamental principle to me is that we are – uh, we're limiting, not eliminating, but limiting the scope and power of government, uh, and we are leaving to families and individuals to to do mostly their own thing. Mm-hmm. And Rasmussen, you agree with that? Anything to add? I do, and it's really for me comes down to the dignity of the of the inv- individual and the dignity of the family, and and how those uh, those two unique entities interact with the state and with each other in society and, uh, conservative values, I think speak to those interactions and, uh, and, and how they should be based on, on liberty, again, on dignity, on respect, uh, mutual collaboration, those kinds of things, which of course, uh, are, are exactly what we see at Trump rallies, is it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so far so good. Uh, you know, in a regular election year, there might be some disagreements, um, sure. There, there's a lot know. of disagreements in regular election year, but they fall within a certain realm of, uh, you know, of natural discord in discourse. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be – Andy and I actually are probably the opposite spectrums of the Republican Party in many things when, in how we apply the policies of, you know, of the day to the principles we understand. Um, but the two of us are right on the same page on this one. Uh, so then we then the Republican Party, and we should say the the Republican electorate, some forty percent, pretty steady in most primaries, have uh, have nominated um, Mr. Trump. Um, so I guess there's where the problem comes in. What what are the objections? Your your objections. You you want to start? We have a litany of them. So. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, nothing that you haven't heard. And, and what you said is correct. Look, this is a different Republican electorate than we've seen. 
Um, he brought a lot of new people to the polls, and he received, frankly, we've heard it before, but it's true, a record number, more Republican votes than any other Republican nominee in history. That, to me, is mind-boggling. But Mr. Trump is, uh, look, he's the epitome of famous for being famous, right? Uh, all, everything he does and says is kind of built on, a, on an illusion or just flat lies. He's rich because his daddy left him a lot of money. His business model essentially consists of selling his name to other investors to use where he doesn't have anything to do with the, with the business. Um, I think we detailed, you, you read a couple of notes from our letter, um, but he has the emotional maturity of a six-year-old in, an, in, a, in a time and in a position, running for a position that requires ultimate uh, maturity and ability to see the world with clear eyes. I just don't believe uh, Donald Trump does that. Now, this is not anything new. You know, we hear a lot of people say, well, he's telling it like it is. I would uh, challenge that on every detail. But people also like, uh, like the fact that he's from the outside. I, I don't understand that, Jonathan. This man has been the same Donald Trump for 30 years as a, as a public persona. Not in politics, sure. This is not his first foray, but he has just been, a, 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 again, an emotional child in an arena where, where that works for him, reality television. That doesn't translate in any way to public service and certainly not to the presidency. And, and you know, I, those two things you brought up, which is he's saying it like it is. No, he's just mostly being mean. You know, his, his main thing is coming up with insults for people. Every single personal person who has opposed him in any way, shape, or form now has some insulting nickname that he's assigned to them and that he is an outsider. Well, no, he's not. He just hasn't been in an elected position. He's been the one doing the buying instead of being bought. Uh, so I think both of those arguments are silly. Hmm. Now, there's some specific, and these are not new, but, uh, but you two gentlemen uh, levy these charges as well. Xenophobia, racism. Yeah. Yes. You, you believe believe that, uh, that this is Mr. Trump? I don't, I don't actually know if he right. is xenophobic. I know he really likes, he's, he comes off as xenophobic because I think that is the, the role that he has taken on for himself in the primaries. Because those are, you know, often a xenophobic segment of the people who he's trying to reach. And he is a showman. So he's chosen that. That was the a, one of the arguments that he made early that resonated with certain groups of people. So he stuck to it. I really have no idea what he actually believes because I don't know that he knows what he believes. I, and maybe that's the, the key. Uh, we talk a lot about politicians having no core in this in this country anymore. I think he is, again... Uh, the poster child for such. I don't know what he believes. I don't have any personal animus towards Mr. Trump. I don't know him at all. I know the face he's shown the world for 30 years, and it's frankly repulsive to me on a lot of levels. But um, to say, is he a xenophobe? Does he, does he actually, is he as racist as he appears? Is he as misogynistic as he appears in his unhinged criticism of every woman that ever dares to, to disagree with him? Um, I don't know. Uh, it, but to me, that's less important than the fact that that's how he's rallying support. Forty percent of this Republican electorate uh, has uh, resonated with something that he's doing along those lines. And that's uh, uh, that, like, frankly, leads to our resignation. Or mine, anyway, I simply can't be a part of that. And, and this it's turned into a, a bit of a, a media circus, which we didn't intend. Um, some people believe that, some not. But this is a matter of personal conscience, I think, mm -hmm. individually for us. And we've been talking about it for months. We did it to, together um, because we had been discussing it. But it, it, uh, it is a matter of conscience for both of us individually. Let me read a quote from uh, Boyd Bugmar, who is the Cache County Republican Party chair. We invited him to the program, uh, but uh, we weren't able to reach him. Um, this is what he says. And this reflects what you're seeing on the national level as well. Uh, Mr. Pugmeyer says, it's not a personal preference. It's what I feel needs to be done as far as keeping party unity. I think uh, that I need to get past personality issues, start looking at consequences and how things are affected and how the consequences will be affected by who is elected president. And so Mr. Pugmeyer, along with many other national Republicans, are getting to this, this argument that uh, you may have disagreements, very serious disagreements with Mr. Trump. Uh, but if you don't support Mr. Trump... As a Republican, you're just going to get Secretary Clinton elected. Mm -hmm. And that is seen by many Republicans, yeah. I think, including yourselves, is, is not a positive uh, outcome. Yeah, that's, well, there's, neither of them is a positive outcome. That's the issue. That argument assumes that Trump is better than Clinton. 
I don't know. They're just both terrible for different reasons. Um, you know, I, I think we know we have a good handle on who she is. She's a known quantity. It's a really bad quantity, but at least it's known. Uh, Trump, we really don't know what he's going to do. But, you know, I think history has not provided many examples of, you know, clinical narcissists gaining power and suddenly becoming responsible. So I, neither one is a good outcome. So I understand the argument that says, well, if you don't go with the party, then you're going to get the other party. That presumes that Trump is going to be better, which I, I don't buy that argument. And that's why that, that argument doesn't hold water. When the only reason to vote for somebody is that they're not another person, I, I can't put my name behind that. Jonathan's more familiar with this position than I am. He's being a lifelong leaning libertarian. He's used to throwing his vote away. I'm, I'm not <laughs> as used to that, and I am uncomfortable with this outcome, and I'm, I'm very sympathetic to what Boyd said and many others who hold similar positions. Uh, Secretary Clinton, I have profound disagreements with her on policy issues, and I believe her to be hopelessly corrupt on many levels as well. Um, it's, it, I think it's another discussion for another time how we got to the point of, of these two individuals being the nominees of the two major parties, the two most unpopular presidential nominees in history. Uh, but if you're asking me to compare the two, as Jonathan said, we know who Secretary Clinton is. Um, we know we're going to get a bit of a mess. We may, we may have some um, foreign involvement. We may have some corruption. But we also know she's a, fundamentally a realist on the international stage. And, and that, Tom, is what concerns me most. I think uh, Trump provides a destabilizing threat to national security uh, such that we really haven't seen in the history of this republic. We just don't know what to expect, as Jonathan said, but, but we do know how he sounds. And in a way that Americans don't often think about, because we're so, so powerful, so independent, what, we don't often think about how we're reflected in the world, because we, we, we've gone half, half a century of superpowerdom now, and uh, the last quarter century by ourselves. What about if, sorry, I don't know where they come from, if you're a foreign leader, and you're watching this election play out. Now, friend or foe, it doesn't matter. But what are you thinking? What are you doing right now? I promise you're making contingency plan after contingency plan because you just don't know. And you know with some foes that's going to be preemptive in nature. Are you really going to wait to see, uh, watch this guy sit down and see if he's as crazy as he seems? That's the fundamental reality for me. And it's, it has nothing to do with domestic politics. It's mm. just what do these two individuals bring to that chair uh, on the international stage, and how might it potentially threaten or weaken uh, the United States stance? I know that's what a lot of people love about Trump. Well, he talks about us being strong. Mm -hmm. I think him in the White House makes us exactly the opposite. And he talks about being unpredictable. He says we need to be unpredictable. Yeah, right. And I think he would deliver on that, that promise. I, I think he would. He's also talked about uh, um, lauding the, the proliferation of nuclear weapons and possibly their use. Now, maybe this is just a blowhard and uh, continuing his brand. But again, I think that's all he's about is his brand. I don't think there's any substance there. And uh, look, he's been receiving uh, top secret national security briefings for over a month now. Has his tone changed? No, uh, that that scares me. Hmm. If you just joined us, we're talking with Jonathan Choate and Andy Rasmussen. They are two former Cache County Republican Party officials, and they have resigned their posts. They've also changed their party affiliation out of the Republican Party over Mr. Trump. They say they, he's antithetical to every Republican value. They go on to levy many other charges against him, many of which you hear flying around nationally. We would love to get your perspective on this specifically. Um, and uh, generally, this extraordinary election season, 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, toll free, or email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. Uh, also, we're on Twitter, at upraxcess. Uh, we have a couple of emails. Let's get to those. So this is uh, from Stephen. Uh, he says... Hillary in the White House is the opposite of an awful specter. She will bring with her uh, what every republic needs, uh, colon, a willingness to protect the weak, economic policies that have been shown to work, trickle-down economics have been shown to benefit only the rich, a respect for the environment, important to our grandchildren, a respect for civil rights for all, not just the Christian uh, ca Caucasian, acceptance of scientific evidence, right-wing politicians ignore evidence and data in their pursuit of ideology, a balanced approach to uh, policy, 
Why do we spend so much on wars and ignore education at home? Education is the fundamental driver of economic growth and prosperity. The list goes on. And Stephen adds, Utah Mormons should especially support these values, given the history of religious and sexual persecution that they have experienced. Andy, you want to tackle that first? Yeah, you know, I respect that, and I can understand where they're coming from. Um, obviously, that, that gets into a different discussion, and that's um, you know, basic political ideology, right? And, and I think uh, a lot of the things he talks about there are laudable goals. I do not believe um, ultimate progressive policies get us there in the same way, but that's, that's starting from a different foundational uh, assumption, right? And we don't necessarily need to go there, but I do respect that. And uh, listen, there are a number of, of um, Democrats that I think I could vote for in good conscience uh, over, over Donald Trump, many. Hillary Clinton is not one. That's a very difficult, difficult stretch for me, and, and not just for me, for many in her own party. She's got her own enthusiasm issue, which I think is, is part of the, the threat. I don't think – I know all the fundamentalists say at this point Donald Trump is not a viable candidate. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? He hasn't been a viable candidate for a year either. Somehow he's the nominee. The fundamentals are out the window. I know 538 is saying right now, you know, it's an 80% chance of a Clinton win. I would be okay with that relative to a Trump victory, but on its own, again, I think there are, there are a lot of problems. And I go back to her, um, well, what I consider to be her, her corruption and, and historic um, I, I, I don't want to throw out the word narcissism because we're using that for Trump, and I think more appropriately so. I think it applies so. on both of them. But, uh, again, there are many. I, um, the senator from New Jersey, Cory Booker, is one I can think of hmm. uh, that I would have no trouble supporting, and there are probably others. You know, uh, Jim Webb, who Jim, ran— Jim the, Webb would be who, —who seemed like a deer in headlights at the debates because he's like, yeah. wait, where are we going, guys? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We do have a caller. I'll have you respond to this email after we get the, the no caller, uh, Jonathan. So it's uh, CJ in Altamont, I think. Did I get that right, CJ? Yeah. Yes, you did. Hello. Uh, uh, thanks for calling. Go ahead with your comment or question. Well, I, I, I totally agree with um, the guests, and that doesn't happen very often because I'm a Democrat. <laughs> it's kind of an unexpected <laughs> it, It's a surprise. strange year. <laughs> <laughs> it is a strange year, um, but I'm glad that we can make a connection. My comment is this. Um, you know, the United States is a tremendously powerful country, um, in my view putting Donald Trump in the presidency of the United States of America would be really very much like putting a 12-year-old boy behind the wheel of a NASCAR racer. Nothing good is going to come of it, and the likelihood is it's going to be an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, Uh, no disagreement there, other than I know some 12-year-old boys who'd probably do fairly well compared to Trump. But it would be entertaining, correct? And that's the business Mr. Trump is in. (laughs) Yeah, the the crash would be spectacular, (laughs) and that's what we're all watching. the car, (laughs) and that's the problem. So, uh, CJ, you're a Democrat in Utah. Um, Yes. So I don't know whether it's congratulations or condolences. Based on what uh, Andy (laughs) just said, um, or just a little while ago here, uh, do you— so I I assume you're going to vote for Mrs. Clinton. I will hold my nose, and I will do it. And I actually plan on sending her a letter uh, upon her inauguration telling her that I am prepared for absolute disappointment and challenging her to prove me wrong. Hmm. So you, you are definitely holding your nose in, in voting this, this oh, time around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about... Yeah, uh, um, you yeah, know, Hillary ahead. Clinton is a deeply, deeply flawed candidate. But I have no doubt that she knows how to drive the car and to do it safely. Any any mishaps would be the result of calculated risk. Mm-hmm. So since you're holding your nose, what what about Gary Johnson, the Libertarian, or Jill Stein, the Green Party? Would you consider voting for either uh, one of those? I, I'm attracted to both of them for different reasons. The problem is that I believe voting for either of those two really worthy candidates would amount to throwing my vote away. And I am terrified for the future of our country mm. if Donald Trump wins the election. Mm. Jonathan. You know, this is um, this has been, and in past years, I think a very accurate argument. This year, we've talked about the, the game has changed a lot. And what I would challenge people to do, at least during these early months of the summer, before we're getting into the last bit of the election, 
is to go out there and find the candidate that they actually can support, that they like what they're saying. Uh, you know, no, you're not going to support anybody 100%. There's nobody out there that agrees with everything you do. But you can find somebody that has enough aspects about them that you can support them rather than, again, picking the lesser of two evils. And at least for the summer, publicly, vocally, support somebody who you can actually support. You're not, you know, you're not bound to it. It's not like posting a Facebook post of Gary Johnson suddenly binds you to vote for him in November. You can change your mind if it comes down to it and your candidate has 2% polling in November, okay, you can go and vote for which, whichever lesser evil you want. But for now, the only reason that we're throwing the vote away is because everybody thinks that we're throwing the vote away. Vast majority of people out there have that same argument. So let's. You're, you're preaching to the choir, though. I did that with Bernie <laughs> for the last okay. year and yeah. a half. All right. Well, but yeah. he got, you know, he was close. I think that's the key he right there. He was close. Right. He was really close. And I, I believe that. He was able to exert um, what I view as a very positive influence on the Democratic platform. Um, and, and for that reason, I back him not, uh, you know, endorsing Hillary un- until we've gotten to convention. I believe that he needs to maintain that traction to try to hold on to the gains that were, were made in the progressive cause on the Democratic platform. But I'm a realist. And what it's going to come down to in November uh, is it's, it's going to be Clinton versus Trump, and Clinton has to win. Hmm. I, I mean, literally, the future of our country and possibly the future of the world for the next 25 years depends on that. CJ, just one more question for you. I appreciate your call, um, especially from Aldemont, the, the uh, you know, UNA Basin. I'm a UNA Basinite. So go you in a basin. Uh, but yes. but um, so as a Democrat in Utah, and, and really we don't have a national election, electoral college, we have state by state election. Aren't you really throwing away your vote if you vote Democratic, you know, in, in any given year? I guess on the other side of that, polls have Clinton and, and Trump fairly close, unusually close in Utah. Um, yes, uh, they do. And that's going to make this a tremendously fascinating election at the Utah state level, um, I, I could see the state going for Clinton, um, particularly as the election season grinds on and Trump um, becomes more and more of a, a frightening figure to Utah sensibilities in general. I, I mean, I, I live in Utah because I love Utah. I love my Republican neighbors, um, and they are decent people. And Donald Trump does not represent their ideals in any way. Um, well, they, we agree with it, you on it's that. It's a bitter mm-hmm. pill to swallow uh, for them to realize that the Republican Party might not actually be the right party. But more and more of them are coming around to that idea. Uh, it, it could happen that Hillary would, would win Utah. Okay, well, thank you, CJ. Appreciate your, uh, your comments. Thank you. CJ called us from Altamont, toll-free, 1-800-826-1495. You can call us as well, 1-800-826-1495. Love to get your perspective on uh, Mr. Trump, uh, Secretary Clinton, or uh, just anything to do with this extraordinary election season. We have with us Andy Rasmussen and Jonathan Choate, uh, who uh, two former leaders now of the Cache County Republican Party. They have resigned their posts and uh, changed their party affiliation over presumptive Republican Party presidential nominee Donald Trump. I want to know if you agree with that or or no, and uh, who who are you going to vote for? How are you navigating this election season? 1-800-826-1495 or upraxis at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at upraxis. We'll take a short break and come back. Uh, thanks for listening. This is Science by the Slice. Synthetic spider silk holds promise as a leading biomaterial of the future with its unrivaled combination of strength and elasticity. USU biologists are conquering two major hurdles to its affordable commercial-scale production. The first is development of transgenic bacteria, that is, bacteria with the spider silk protein gene to produce plentiful quantities. The second is the discovery that water provides a safe solvent to craft usable forms of the protein into fibers, gels, coatings, and adhesives for a wide variety of uses. In the future, watch for synthetic ligaments, tendons, and skins, as well as safer airbags and lighter body armor. 
This segment of Science by the Slice is brought to you by the USU College of Science, offering degree programs in mathematics and varied scientific disciplines. Details at usu.edu science. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and uh, we are talking with two former Cache County Republican uh, leaders. They've resigned their posts and changed their party affiliation recently. They sent a letter to the Cache County Republican Party Executive Committee. We're talking about Andy Rasmussen and Jonathan Choate, who we have with us in studio. They say that Donald Trump is directly antithetical to every, nearly every traditional Republican value. His unapologetic racism, xenophobia, and misogyny disqualify him from consideration as a precinct chair, let alone the presidency. They go on to say, we also fully appreciate the awful specter of Hillary Clinton in the White House, yet this is not merely a binary choice between the two. We want to get your perspective on this. You can call us toll-free at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or you can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com, or on Twitter at UPR uh, access. I want to get perspective both of you. At the end of uh, Stephen's email, uh, he says Utah Mormons should especially support these values, talking about uh, values that he says Secretary Clinton uh, supports, given the history of religious and sexual persecution that they have experienced. I want to get your perspective. Um, I think it's well documented that uh, Mormons are not wild about Mr. Trump. No, and neither are they wild about Mrs. Clinton, if you look at the caucus results. I, I respect his you know opinion. Uh, that, that's his to make. I don't agree with it. I think, uh, you know, we, we use the phrase awful specter of a Clinton presidency. It's, it, you know, it only seems palatable in comparison to the other option. Um, she has proven to be a, a figure, uh, you know, steeped in corruption everywhere they go, the, the pair of them. Uh, they are, you know, there's some, there's some allegations of corruption and wrongdoing. And, and I think, I, I think she, in many ways, is much like Mr. Trump in not having a core morality and principles other than what I want to do. You know, it's that that's what I can get away with is what my core is. I believe mm-hmm. that applies to both of them. Uh, they just go about it in different ways. He is uh, off the wall crazy and she is cold and calculating. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> again, which is worse? I don't know. Flip a coin. Andy Rasmussen, I'd maybe frame it to you this way, the mm-hmm. similar question, which is um, Mormons uh, as a group seem to not like Mr. Trump, as John Choate pointed out, don't like Secretary Clinton either. I guess the the not liking Trump gets the, the news headlines because it's more surprising that uh, the Mormons would not be going for the Republican. I think so. And at this point, look, to, as far as Secretary Clinton go, I think, uh, you know, we can talk about political differences and economic differences and how you approach those issues that uh, Stephen brought up in his email. But I think fundamentally right now, one of the things Mormons are most uncomfortable with, uh, some of the noise coming from the left, is the identity politics. Uh, that that echoes uh, true for some of the uh, LDS. I had family you know, in the church all the way back to Nauvoo and before who experienced many of those persecutions that Stephen references, and it came from uh, separating out groups because of who they are. And uh, so I think there's some, some apprehension uh, on voting Democratic for that particular reason at this point in history but uh you're you're right and it's it's the it's the shift away from the republican nominee in mormon utah that's making national headlines and has for well since the caucus night and when when he was so uh, resoundingly (coughs) repudiated and uh you know it, it it i think it gets to a lot of what we referenced in our letter this idea of um of upright service and and family values and these things that uh that Mormons from either side of the political spectrum come together on. But it, it gets to the, to the reality again that this, this party has profoundly shifted. Now, I say that, Jonathan, but I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going I'm to say this. Maybe it's more safer with the public radio audience. I think we may have some agreement. I've, but I'm not sure I'm not sure to put it, honestly, Tom. The Republican Party has become now the caricature that its enemies – an opposition have said it has been for the last 20 to 30 years. Mm. And so that's how it starts to make me wonder, is Donald Trump a natural end to the way the right has approached politics since the end of the Bush one administration, the Reagan years, essentially? 
It's that that unhinged nature of opposition to anything on the left that started with Rush Limbaugh in the Clinton years and has continued to crescendo since then that means anything, anybody who's against what we're against, we're for. And it has, uh, it's become this, uh, this home now, the Republican Party, for this brand of, again, as we put it in the letter, xenophobia, racism, and misogyny that's just ugly. It's the anger of being against. There's a lot of uh, comparisons out there with the Hitler years. I think they're more valid than some might, might be comfortable with. But when you look at the rise of Hitler, the Germans at that time, they were dealing with 1,000% inflation. They're taking wheelbarrows full of cash to the bread lines to buy a loaf of bread for that day. And the next day, that wheelbarrow wouldn't buy that loaf of bread. Society was completely disintegrating around them. There's no wonder they were casting about. It makes me wonder, Tom, honestly, what are my fellow Americans and party members, former party members, so angry about right now? We have no, no correlation <laughs> to the, the kind of stress that the, the Germans were living under. And so there's a lot of questions in there. I'm not sure mm-hmm. I answered anything, but it's, these are the things I'm thinking Those of. are excellent questions. And I want we have a caller. Let me, uh, Barbara, hold on, and I'll have Jonathan. I want to have you answer specifically the, the point that Andy brought up. Is Trump a natural result? I, I believe that there is an element of it. Um, the dissatisfaction within much, within a large segment of the Republican base has been, to use your, your phrase, casting about, looking for leadership that isn't within the, you know, quote unquote, establishment of the Republican Party. Uh, you know, I've been I've been in that same group. I've not been satisfied with the national leadership of the Republican Party for a long time. You know, I, I lean very libertarian. I'm not happy with a lot of what they do. But what you have what happened is, is we cast about and they find a character who says some things they like. And then I I believe that blinders are put on. Hey, I found something that I like outside of this other thing and then stop looking and stop applying any logic and morality beyond then. Maybe that's harsh. I don't know. But that seems to be the case because we have this blind, you know, people who are supporters are are blind to any evidence to the contrary. Um, And, you know, it's always the yeah, but Trump argument. You know, you make any argument, but yeah, but Trump is. uh, And so I think, you know, a caricature is a a good, a, a good way to put it. He is... The uh, the epitome of all the things I have been in the Republican Party for trying to fight against, trying to change the image that was cast on Republicans by the left and trying to repudiate it. Well, he's just embraced it and gone with it. And there's enough people in the party that are going behind it for, I, I think, sometimes, you know, people have really valid grievances. But it's really easy to point out problems, but you got to find somebody who has an actual better solution rather than, well, he likes the same problems I, you know, I, I like. We both have to share these problems, therefore I'm going to support him. Pointing out problems is real easy. Uh, an actual effective solution that's better than the status quo is what eludes people. Let's uh, go to, thanks for being patient, Barbara. Barbara and Hiram joins us by telephone. Uh, Barbara, thank, glad, glad you called. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, uh, I just want to make a, a comment about the immediate conversation. And we have representatives who sleep in their offices at night. They never socialize. They never talk to anyone across the aisle. And in the old days, because I'm an old person, people used to bring their families to Washington, and they used to socialize. They used to cook hamburgers together or something like that. So they found out what they had in common, even though they disagreed. But that does not happen anymore, is my uh is my take on it, and it's what people say they do. Um, so we can't, no one can get along with each other because they don't even know each other. And then the party says, don't even talk to these people, don't talk to them, they won't do anything that you want, so they're out. Okay, that's one little thing off my chest. Then the next thing is, um, uh, these two men have a very good point about Trump. We all feel the same way about Trump. But they're bashing everybody and not giving us any solutions. Okay, if they have some good solutions, I would listen to them. Uh, at this point, I feel like I have to vote for Hillary because it's an anti-Trump vote. Um, I will. I take more interest in my local things because I know those people and I can do something about what happens there. So I'd like to hear their solutions for what's, what we can do instead of 
who we dislike more than anybody else. Okay, well, we'll get that thing. That's a great question. Thank you, Barbara. Appreciate you calling. Let me, before I, I know you're itching to jump in, I just want to echo Barbara's point uh, by saying that uh, something I read recently, it's uh, Amy Walters, a reporter for the Cook Political Report. The end of a, a preview or, or uh, kind of a prediction where she predicted that uh, probably given the fundamentals, Secretary Clinton will, is likely to win the election. Um, she had a paragraph that resonated with me. She, she said that friends and family tell her, oh, as a political reporter, a political junkie, you must be excited about this. This is such a fascinating political season. She said, no, I'm just depressed. I think I'm paraphrasing her words. She says, because no matter who wins will be even more polarized than we than we are now and and she sees no solution in sight and that's mm. that's kind of you know I'm kind of <laughs> going along with I'm political junkie so I'm fascinated but I'm gloomy as well so solutions Jonathan uh, solutions so there's two parts one we are incredibly polarized states are becoming more polarized than the the states in you know the red versus blue states uh, Washington I believe is a reflection of the electorate Sometimes it leads the electorate. Sometimes it's, you know, it's the one being led. Um, and that is, I think, a cultural issue, a societal issue. It's not being it's not going to be solved in Washington and elections aren't going to fix that problem. So I think that's a, an entire topic for another day. And But I agree with her on that. We're highly polarized solutions. And we started to hit on this earlier. A, watch your local races, pay attention, still vote. Don't stay home. Uh, go out there and support people who you can support on the local level, even if you leave the national ticket, you know, if, if you leave it blank or, or um, you know, be out there, support people you can actually support. On the national level, the, you know, where we're concentrating on on how bad both of the candidates are, and I think that it's a lot of fun, first of all. I enjoy that. It's, it's a really easy target, you know, fish in a barrel here. Um, but we have to establish why we can't support either of them, in order to reach the next part of the argument, which is, all right, who can you support? A, that's up to you. I personally, I'm going to support the libertarian candidate, Governor Gary Johnson. And as soon as you say that, the first response is, oh, but you're throwing away your vote. Again, that's why you have to establish first how bad the two choices, the, you know, the main party choices are. You say, well, even if I don't vote for anybody because I can't support either of them, it's either a no vote or vote for somebody. I'll, I'll pick somebody I can support. But we have a chicken and egg scenario here. Um, a third-party candidate is only a throwaway vote because everybody believes it's a throwaway vote. Uh, it wouldn't be if people were t- attempting to vote their conscience. Um, we ha- And so it, whether it's Jill Stein and the Green Party or Gary Johnson or a write-in or whatever it is, find somebody who can actually support. But the key to that is, is to not do it silently um, because – in, in polls and things like that, in your Facebook posts and who you talk to about your friends, the more people hear, hey, I won't support either of these two people. I will support X. Again, not just a negative, but a positive. Then more people will see that there are there is an actual viable chance. Now, on a national level, is Gary Johnson going to gonna win the Electoral College vote? No. It's, it's too short of a time. There's too much issue going on. Um, you know, the, the, the media is concentrating on the two main candidates. But in states like Utah, and I think uh, many of the surrounding intermountain states, uh, New Mexico, which was where Gary Johnson was governor of, there, you know, this is, a, this is a fight within Utah, not at the national level. Our electoral college votes go somewhere. My goal is that they don't go to either Trump or Clinton within the state of Utah. And that, I think, is this year a very viable goal. But only if people are willing to make known, hey, look, I won't accept either of these two people and find somebody who you can support. Then when the polling starts to move in that direction, I saw a poll recently that had him polling at 18 percent in Utah. Mm. Yeah, that is in, that's huge. Mm. Uh, and if we could hit 15 percent nationally, suddenly we're in the national debates. All of a sudden, all those people who only pay attention peripherally will see that there actually is another viable choice. And that provides a potential sea change. Before I go to Andy, I'll let you uh, reset the scene here. We're talking with Andy Rasmussen and Jonathan Choate, two uh, former Cash County Republican uh, Party officials who have resigned their posts and changed their party affiliation over uh, Mr. Trump. Uh, we want to get your take on this extraordinary election season and uh, love to, to hear from you at 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495. 
once again, 1-800-826-1495, toll free. Email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com, or on Twitter at uh, upraxcess. Um, so I want to get your ideas on solutions, Andy. Before that, uh, this email, which Jonathan has already answered, this is from Ian, uh, very simple, thoughts on Gary Johnson? So mm-hmm. we heard we heard Jonathan's view. He's going to vote for Gary Johnson. What are, what are your thoughts on Gary Johnson? Well, before we get to that, because it's a it's a kind of a, a maybe a three tiered thing for me. But you mentioned the fundamentals of the election, and uh, listen, I've not only have been involved in Repub- in Republican leadership for the last several years, this post that we just resigned, but I've also uh, done some kind of small time campaign consulting for over a decade now, and uh, I'm. I'm familiar with electoral politics, and what you mentioned is exactly correct. The fundamentals say Hillary Clinton in a walk. And I think any other Democrat – well, that's the unique thing about this election, right? Any other nominee for either party wipes the floor with the other, <laughs> right? Any other Republican beats Hillary this year. Any other Democrat sweeps almost Donald Trump. But we have this, this, this strange dynamic with the two most unpopular candidates in history, nominees in history. And so it's shifted the fundamentals. Fundamentals say Donald Trump shouldn't be here. We were all laughing at him a year ago. You know what? For the last 12 months, he has had no money and no organization. Now people are suddenly saying that's going to matter in the next three months. I think it should. All of history says it will. I'm not so sure. Hmm. And polling is another reason why. Bernie Sanders supporters in a recent Bloomberg poll, 22% of them said they're voting for Trump. We just had Brexit win by... What, two percentage points? Four percent. Four percent. 52-48, you're right. Forty-four percentage points. This is a movement sweeping the developed world right now, this anti-elite, anti-establishment, anti-intellectualism. You're not going to tell me what to do. It's ultimately democratic, which gets to something that, uh, that Socrates talked about, which is tyranny only can come from pure democracy. That's a whole different, different, different discussion. But the, the point is the fundamentals are shifting. We don't know what matters and what doesn't. Donald Trump didn't buy any ads through the entire primaries. He did it all on free media. That's not going away. The media is fascinated with this man and his, and his charade and his shtick. And if you have Sanders supporters, a third of them almost, maybe defecting to Trump, <clears throat> you have Hillary, uh, again, has her own, as I mentioned before, her own um, enthusiasm gap in her base. Does she turn everyone out? It looks like most of the Republicans are coalescing around Donald Trump. Can he flip a blue state or two from the last couple of elections? Seems impossible. The fundamentals say no. I say I'm not so sure at this point. So that brings us to what do you, what do, you do instead? As Jonathan said, I've got kind of three tiers of, of um, preferences. My first would be another candidate, including uh, uh, different from Trump, Clinton, or Johnson, hmm. or the Green Party. Uh, I want someone I can enthusiastically support. That's not there, and it doesn't look like it will be. Uh, second tier, then, is I want to make a statement. I, I think I feel like we've done that with this resignation. A bigger, much bigger statement, not involving us, would be what Jonathan mentioned. That we duplicate what we did in this state in March in the caucuses, Democratic and, and Republican, and repudiate both. And give our electoral votes, five though they are, six, six now. Six You're now. right, you six. <laughs> my, my bad. I always forget about Mia That's Love. Right, she's, yeah. she's regrettably forgettable. But uh, six electoral votes. We give them to somebody else. That's ideal. So I think to that end right now, I'm planning to vote for, uh, for Gary Johnson. Uh, he doesn't make my socks roll up and down. I have significant issues with the Libertarian Party, uh, significant, and always have. And I don't see those going away. But right now, that's my goal. However, to wrap this up, if we get to November 1st, and uh, Gary Johnson's still polling you know, below 20%. Right now, it's 35, 35, and 18 mm-hmm. in Utah. That's movable in three months. Yeah, yeah. But if that's those are still the numbers. Especially when no, most people don't even know who Gary Johnson exactly. is. And he can pull 18%. But if we still have those kind of numbers in November, I can't believe I'm saying this publicly. I can't believe I'm saying it at all. But I will have to vote for, for Hillary Clinton and, and run and take a shower afterwards. But solely to, do, to deny Donald Trump those electoral votes... Utah could finally, for the first time in my lifetime, be something of a swing state this time, and, and you got to take that responsibility seriously. So mm-hmm. I guess the, the, the answer is it's, it's shifting. It's moving. Like everything else in this election, everything's fluid. Make your determination for today, for this month, and be aware you may have to do something you don't like down the road. 
The number is 1-800-826-1495 with Jonathan Choate and Andy Rasmussen with us uh, for another five or six minutes. 1-800-826-1495 or upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. Upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. I want to follow up, uh, Jonathan, what uh, something that uh, Andy said. Uh, do you think perhaps this will be an impetus to move toward a really viable third party? If, if any year ha- it happens, it's this year. Uh, this is the the rules are out the window. Uh, we have you know two people that uh, the only reason that anybody talks about supporting them with some rare exceptions is because they're not the other one. Um, that is you know that is the, the time is ripe to, for for real change within not just a small group of activists but within the populace at, as uh, as a whole. Um, the only thing I think that really holds it up from happening this year is, is just uh, you know the slowness of people's understanding of accepting that things are different now, uh, you know abandoning the old rules that just simply don't apply anymore. Um, the that is the argument that I hear constantly. Well, if I don't vote for Trump, then I'm voting for Hillary. Well, if I vote don't vote for Hillary, then I'm voting for Trump. No, because I'm not going to vote for any of them. Uh, you know, Andy and I have had this this discussion. He he can pull the trigger for Hillary. You know, as bad as that would be, I can't. I. I will not. It doesn't matter if I am the only person out there not voting for one of them. I will be alone if I have to. I, I cannot can, vote for either. I can mm-hmm. conceive of a scenario where I might do that, where the national race is tight. It looks like Utah's six electoral votes could make a difference, right? This is very unlikely in a lot of ways. But if it came down to that and it looked like six electoral votes could be a difference, I could do that to deny Donald Trump the White House. And that would be the only reason, but I'd... I'd sleep okay if that was the reason. Right. <laughs> that was the scenario. I just couldn't make it to the polls if that can't, was my can't choice. Can't get there. <laughs> um, I've been neglecting Warren's email. Sorry about that, Warren. Uh, let me get to that. Uh, Warren emailed us at upraxcess at gmail.com. You can as well. Hope that you will. Or call us to 1-800-826-1495. Here's what Warren says. I'm a thorough independent that's very pleased with your reaction to this embarrassing duo, supposedly American in any way, shape, or form. Uh, this is another reason I affirm the need for term limits, tort reform, and presidential write-in privilege. When you consider that she complained, uh, I'm, I'm guessing she's talking about, he's talking about uh, Secretary Clinton. When she complained, she and Bill were broke some eight years ago. Uh, he with two retirements. And then when uh, they leave the White House, they steal $225,000 in paintings, furniture, etc. And are fined $70,000 or more after being caught. We do not need the foulest-mouthed woman in politics in the White House or outhouse, he says, or anywhere in Washington, D.C. And she's a New York congressman, well, a New York uh, senator, and uh, when does she work? Ad nauseum. Uh, Warren concludes, give me Mia, Mitt, etc. Jason would do a heck of a job. Mike, question mark, too many political relatives. That's uh, Warren. Any comment from... I think it's, the, and Jonathan mentioned, and you mentioned it with the viable third party, we need to be honest about what the American political system will allow and what it does not. I think we'll hear a lot of talk about and have now for several cycles about a, a viable third party. When's it coming? Or just no parties, right? John Huntsman was part of the no-label movement. Both of those are silly. And it's because it's, it's not how the system is set up. Parties form naturally as a, a natural coalescence of individuals who come together to leverage their, their viewpoints. One individual in a society of 300 million or 3 million at the beginning of the country has very little say over policy. If you group together with like-minded individuals, you've, you've got a much big lev- bigger lever now. So parties are, are a natural occurrence, and you will never get rid of them. You will also not in this country ever have a long-term viable third party because you have... Uh, winner-take-all elections with a binary choice, right? Up or down. A winner and a loser, the loser goes home. We're not a parliamentary system. We can discuss maybe that would be better. But so long as we have these winner-take-all elections, you've only got room for two because a third party, again, doesn't leverage anything for you as far as affecting policy. It's a vote splitter in the long run. And so if you have an emergence of a third party, and this has happened twice before in American history, most recently with the Whigs uh, turning into the Republicans in the 1850s, if you have the emergence, I'm sorry, the progressives again in the 1812, you have the, uh, one of the two parties will then fall away, and you'll still re- retain a two-party system. I think that's possible. I think this Republican Party could go the way of the dodo and be replaced, possibly, potentially, by something else. So Let the me, key, uh, sorry, the key about the third party is it's only a third party for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it yeah, we in the long term we won't have three because you you end up with people will coalesce around whichever two are going to be the closest. Um, but it can happen. A, a party mm-hmm. can die, mm-hmm. and I think the Republican Party is probably in that phase. But guess what? So are the Democrats. Man, that's both the crazy parties. Thing. Both parties <laughs> are in deep deep trouble. Mm. I've actually had more Democrats tell me that they're quitting the Democrat Party than Republicans quitting the Republican Party since wow. we since we posted this stuff. Yeah, the, the last party to disappear was in the 1840s, the Whigs. Yes. So you, you're saying it. And I've heard this other places as well. Let me hurry and get a couple of emails in before we close. Just have a couple of minutes left. Uh, this is Rob, who uh, and I'll allow him to get in a, a plug here. <laughs> I think it's appropriate here. We've been talking about it. Rob says, he titled his question, Will Jonathan Choate attend the Libertarian Party meeting uh, tomorrow, meet up tomorrow in Logan? He goes on <laughs> to give a link to Facebook, and he says it's Wednesday, July 6th, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Crapery in, uh, in Logan. Yes, I will be there. Okay, Jonathan will be there, Rob. And, and <laughs> I got your plug out. That's, uh, that's uh, tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock at the Crapery Libertarian Party meetup. Um, if you'd like to plug uh, whatever other party you're, you're in, uh, feel free to do that as well. Um, and here is Carl. Carl has emailed us, tpraxis at gmail.com. He says, maybe you should blame the rise of Trump on the GOP policies and Fox News. They are anti-little guy and anti-voting rights, anti-women, anti-facts. The Republicans are so anti-Obama, they will vote against their own bills if Obama supports them. Since Reagan, they have continually tried to take uh, away rights of common people and support big business and rich people. The worst is their anti-science that's affecting not only climate, but the human health as well. That is, uh, Carl, we talked a little bit about this. I don't know, Andy, if you want to say anything mm-hmm. else about this. Well, I think if, if Carl wants to maybe grab the podcast after, I did re- reference that. I think a lot of his... Uh Policy differences he mentions there, I think, again, are based on two fundamentally competing views and assumptions of the world around us and what works and what doesn't. We don't have time to get into that. But I did reference the tone of talk radio specifically, Fox, the rise of Fox News, and how that, I believe, has exactly contributed to the rise of Trump. And I'll own that for sure. Yeah. And, and this year, particularly, every media outlet is going for ratings. They're going for who's going to make the biggest, you know, splash and let's let's face it, Trump makes a huge splash. And as a you know a disinterested observer, it's it's fun to watch. It's scary when you're actually interested in the outcome. Uh, and so, yeah, the the media has absolutely contributed to the rise of both of these people by essentially crowning Hillary before the before the nominees were even you know had their names in the hat. Uh, and by giving Trump so much free media and so much attention and and by taking him seriously, which shouldn't ever be done, um, they absolutely contributed to where we are today, without a doubt. We'll have to leave it there. Uh, the conversation can continue. Hope that you will continue the conversation at upraxis at gmail.com. And you can find this discussion um, on upr.org. You can comment there as well. Thanks to Andy Rasmussen and Jonathan Cho. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. There are two uh, former leaders in the Cache County Republican Party. They have resigned their posts and uh, changed their party affiliation um, over presumptive Republican Party presidential nominee Donald Trump. Um, We hope you'll join us for a history of Nine Mile Canyon tomorrow. And thanks for listening today to Access Utah. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Utah Shakespeare Festival, presenting Henry V, Much Ado About Nothing, and Julius Caesar as part of the 2016 season in Cedar City. Information at bard.org. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members, and support for science reporting on Utah Public Radio comes from the Utah State University Ecology Center, providing training opportunities for today's science communicators one story at a time.